Owning a property doesn't necessarily mean that you have the right to do what you want with it. Sometimes you need to get owner's corporation agreement to change anything external. Sometimes it's just not allowed based on the title. Knowing what type of title you are buying before you can buy it can make it a lot easier to accept what is possible and what isn't. Today we want to know how to decipher what title is what and we have REIV member Kate Ewart who is the Director of Strata Equity Management to tell us all about it. Welcome to Real Estate Right where we talk to top experts on how to buy, sell, rent and invest right. Your hosts are Grant Kennedy and Sue Langeter. A respected leader in the strata management industry, Kate Ewart is the Director of Strata Equity Management. Kate has worked in all facets of real estate and has been a law clerk and been in credit management, so she knows all the different sides of strata management. Kate holds a degree in political science, which she puts to good use in her business. A credit to the industry, welcome Kate. Yay! How are you? How are you going, Kate? Hi, thanks very much for having me. Uh, thanks for coming. Thanks for coming on. Kate, why did you choose strata management over all other sectors in the real estate industry? Well, having worked in all um, facets of real estate, other than owners corporation, when I was younger, I left the um, profession to work as a law clerk. And when I returned, um, I just happened into a role in owners corporation. And I found that it brought my entire skill set together in the one um, one role. So I've really enjoyed bringing it all together and to assisting people in a broader sense than what you would normally say with property management or um, other types of management like that. It's been a really good role for me. That's good. So what are the types of titles you could expect in an apartment or unit block? Look, there's very many or various many sorts of titles, but most typically today, You'll have a plan of subdivision, which is um, the most modern and current title. You can get a strata title, which is a little bit older, but still quite functional today. There are still some instances of other titles as well, though. Yeah, so way back when I did my little real estate agents rec course, we also talked about things like stratum and company share. Are they around much these days? Company share less so, but definitely stratum titles are alive and well. Um, I've got a few in my portfolio right now. Yes. Can you tell us how they differ from a strata title? With a strata title, the rules of how you manage the owner's corporation or manage the, the group ownership is actually the legislation. So everyone's on an even playing field other than some rules that might vary from property to property but with a stratum title you have a separate articles of association that tells you what the rules are so those articles of association take the place of the act or the owners corporations act and so you need to be aware of what the particular rules for that property are and they can vary quite greatly fair enough And and then the subdivision side of things how does that differ from a strata title Well, strata titles actually uh, work alongside the Subdivision Act. So the Subdivision Act will direct a lot of um, what a strata title or or an owner's corporation will have. With a strata, once again, the Subdivision Act sits separate from it because it, it 
the stratum title really predates the Subdivision Act. So once again, it's it's not relevant and it doesn't control what a stratum title property does. Yeah. So I know you said that company share isn't around as much, but that is a little different again, isn't it? That's right. Well, with a stratum title, like with a strata title, you actually have a title to real estate. Yeah. But with a company share, you don't have any title at all. You have shares in a company that entitle you to the use of that apartment. Yeah. So you and actually if, don't have a title in real estate at all. So okay. is that different to, for instance, some places you may have a, they have a strata apartment, for instance, and then there's a 99-year lease on the car space. Is that different again? It is different again. What you're describing there is what happens quite often nowadays with a strata title or a plan of subdivision. There'll be a portion of common property that whilst it's still part of the common property, it's granted um, to one lot owner or a small group of lot owners um, for their exclusive use. Yeah. So this could be a courtyard garden or it could be a space for a car space. Or it could be um, provision for your air conditioning unit to be on the roof of oh, the building. Okay. So okay. very, very varied, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. So where would you find out what type of title the property has? What's the document? When you're looking to purchase a property, of course, you need to look at your Section 32 statement. And mm -hmm. contained within that Section 32 is what's called an Owner's Corporation Certificate. Um, so you need to review that and... That will contain all sorts of information. The Section 32 should have your plan of subdivision. The Owners Corporation Certificate will tell you the details of the insurance or any leases and licences, any agreements um, that would be uh, entered into by the Owners Corporation and what your fees would be. So the Section 32 is going to give you a lot of that information yeah. beyond the Owners Certificate and within it. That's good. What would be considered the best title to have? now okay well that's a challenging one because that depends on your individual preference as a manager my favorite type of property to manage is a stratum title yeah. because the company has full control over the common property and you often work with a smaller group of directors so as a manager i find it easier to manage with a stratum title but i think um most people prefer the simplicity of a plan of subdivision yeah the simplicity means that you know what you own with this plan of subdivision where with strata and stratum and company share they, there's like gray areas which is common land that's right well yeah. and it's just getting to know the different ways of them being managed definitely the company share one is a bit of a spanner in the works because it's not an actual title it's a, it's a share um so would i have to pay stamp duty on that knowing that you are buying property but you're not you're buying a share yeah. Well, I actually, um, stamp duty is not something a strata manager will often deal with. So I did uh, go out and get a little bit of a information from a solicitor and he said, because the shares give you an interest in property, yeah. yes, there would be stamp duty payable. Okay. So from my experience, most company share properties are sort of in the Camberwell Hawthorne area, aren't they, in Melbourne? They're not really that regular. No, you generally find them in, in the inner suburbs, um, definitely. You don't find them out in the outer suburbs. Yeah. 
Interesting. What about a house that might be on a battle axe block that is a shared driveway between the neighbouring properties? What would we need to consider when buying a house with a battle axe block? You need to have a look at your title and see where whether the driveway is actually genuinely shared or whether it's actually on their property and you simply have a right of way. So when you review that, um, it will tell you whether you have a right of way, which should be enshrined on your title or it is actually part of your land. It's simply a, a review of the title and your conveyancer should be able to assist you with that. How do things differ when, you know, one versus the other there? in that case like is it effectively the same thing or if you if you have a right of way it means you don't own the land you're not you don't need to insure the land you're not responsible for the land for the maintenance and upkeep but similarly you have a right to use that land and that owner can't um, withdraw that right mm. um, without due process but I think you'd need a little bit more advice than I could give on that. Um, but nonetheless, if you own the land and you owe somebody else a right of passage or a right of way, you must maintain the land and you must make it accessible and available to them at all times. Okay, interesting, yeah. yeah. So it's a bit of a catch-22. It would be great to own the land because it means that your property is worth more, but then you've got to maintain it and you've got to, you know, let other people use it. That's not very fair it's my land i want to use it <laughs> okay. that's right yeah what should we be looking out for with subdivided blocks what you want to know is where the boundary of your property finishes and where the common property starts and that's pretty clearly written whether it's a plan of subdivision or a strata plan or a company share or a stratum you need to look at where the definition of the boundaries are the easiest plans to read, not that they're always easy, is a plan of subdivision because that will always define what's private property. So the boundaries can be either external face, internal face, or the median, which is the middle. Yeah. And if it's the external face, you own your walls or your roof or your floor, whichever portion you're looking at. Yeah. But if it's internal face, it's common property or the owner's corporation that owns the walls or the roof or the floor. So you need to be mindful of whether you own this or not um, because you need to know whether you need to maintain it. Yeah. Right. So, for instance, if it was internal, then the owners corp have to, like, paint the building or, you know, repair cracks. But if you owned externally, you'd have to do that. And then, but you'd probably have to get an owner's corp to agree on, for instance, the colour scheme. Everybody has to match. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, it really does come down to what your stratotile is saying, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. And, and what you're owning and what you're responsible for. Yeah. So we're going to listen to a question here. Sarah from Paran is buying her first home and is looking at an apartment close to where she is renting. She saw an owner's corporation fee on the section 32. What does an owner's corporation do for that fee? Well, it depends on each individual property, but just as a basic, mm. you would generally have insurance. Yes. Um, you would have a measure of caretaking or cleaning. If it's an apartment with fire equipment, all of that fire equipment needs to be maintained, all the common property equipment. Mm -hmm. um, you would have your body corporate management fees and disbursements. Um, and you would have generally some services like if your property is 
two stories or more in height, the owners corporation really has an obligation to assist with window cleaning and gutter cleaning. So it can be quite varied what the owners corporation does, but so and so you need to look at um, the budget for the yeah. owners corporation to tell you what it does. But those are the basics. Basics, yeah. So how much of that fee generally goes to paying for someone to run the owners corp? The fee to the OC manager is actually generally quite modest. Um, mm -hmm. People do often think that they're paying all of their fees each quarter to the manager. But no, generally um, each property each quarter would pay the manager only around $75 for the quarter. So it's around $300 a year um, for your property you would be paying to the manager. And it's actually not a lot of money no, when not. you think of all the professional services that they're providing to you. Yeah, it's really. So the rest of the money is then going into what's called a sinking fund, is that correct? Well, a sinking fund's a little bit different to an admin fund. You generally, if you have a sinking fund for an owner's corporation, it's separate to the admin fund in that the admin fund takes care of your day-to-day -day expenses, like your cleaning and your insurance and yeah. just keeping things going. But your sinking fund is about capital expenditure long-term projects like maintaining um, significant infrastructure, doing all the painting, upgrading your lifts, things like that. Um, that's what you sink funds for. So it's long-term savings plan for the big things. Yeah. So, so sinking funds generally would more so apply for the big apartment building type scenarios versus say a block of three units or something is that right or well that's right in victoria in queensland interestingly every property must have a sinking fund from day one and i actually think it's a really good idea because it means that um the property can always be well maintained you keep your home if you lived in a separate block you'd maintain your home well so there's no difference to an owner's corporation but with a sinking fund instead of saying to people oops you have to put your hand in your pocket for ten thousand dollars we need to do the lift yeah. you pay that over a period of time so it it doesn't hurt so much financially. Yeah. Plus, when you go to sell your property, having an owner's corporation with a fully funded sinking fund makes your property much more valuable. Oh, definitely, yeah. yeah. So just imagine if they had like 70 grand just sitting there and you're, you're painting and your window changing or whatever you wanted to do is already paid for. So, yeah, you'd be pretty happy with yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, just on that again, say... You do own a unit and there's three or four or five units, whatever there is on the block, or maybe it's 20, who knows, but, and they don't currently have a sinking fund. Is it pretty easy to start a sinking fund? Could, could people be approaching their, their owner's corp to get that started? Absolutely. There's companies out there that will do a, a sinking fund plan for you for a very modest fee, somewhere around $1,000. And that plan would only have to be renewed every five years. So you can, and then you can start contributing from day one. All you need to do is discuss it at the annual general meeting and make sure every owner has a copy of that sinking fund plan or the, the long-term maintenance plan. And you can go right ahead and, and all of a sudden you've got a property that can look after itself or be well maintained and people can have confidence in that. And that's a really important factor. Yeah, I think if you don't have a singing fund, you're crazy really. Yeah, you know, I look so, at, it yeah. depends on how big the, the unit is. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like I lived in a five-unit 
block probably eight, nine years ago. All we did was we paid for the insurance part of everybody mm. and that was it. Um, there was one time there where we had to prepare a part of a fence and we all agreed to chuck in you know, a couple hundred bucks each and, and it was fine, it was done. But that was a, a yep. small thing. and But we all looked after our own gardens at the front of our place and then it was just the common driveway. So yeah. not all of them are going to need it. Yeah. No. Yeah. But it is a way. That Look, it's a really good idea if you've got all owner occupiers or, and everyone's really responsible yeah. um, with the property. But unfortunately, particularly um, big housing estates, you get a lot of investors mm. and, you know, who are remote. They are, oh, some of them don't even live in, in the state, sometimes not in the country. Yeah. Um, and they don't take the same level of interest. And that's where it's really important to have a strong manager and a good maintenance plan and, um, you know, really good staff to look after the property for you and that way your investment is not going to be adversely affected yeah by next door neighbor yes and because you can get some pretty unruly next door neighbors can't you at times you can um it's very rare that i find actually in an, in an owner's corporation that's well managed mm. because once people make a complaint um you know what to do and how to deal with it quite promptly and if you get onto it straight away and you deal with um the owner of that unit um in the right manner mm. it becomes resolved quite quickly i've only got one in my portfolio um and it's the only one i've had in the four years I've had this business that I've had an unruly neighbour and it's they're nearly gone. They're nearly dealt with. Okay. So well, it's yeah. pretty rare. Yeah. And you can sort of weed them out, can't you? That's right. Yeah. Bit of pressure. <laughs> Who is responsible for insurance excess in an owner's corporation? That's something that a lot of people get a bit confused with because the owner's corporation is the insured party. Um, but there is a section in the Act, Section 48, that allows if somebody is the beneficiary of um, something that the owner's corporation does, just one lot owner, then they are responsible for the cost of that. So therefore, if you have somebody who um, has an insurable event occur and they want to make a claim, because they're going to be the only beneficiary of that claim, they're responsible for the excess. So it means if you, um, if the windows in your apartment, a window gets broken, you will pay the excess. If you have your washing machine overflow, yes. flood your apartment and flood downstairs, even if there's no damage done to your apartment, the damage done downstairs would have to be claimed on insurance and you're responsible for the excess. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Especially when it's you know, your property is not affected or your part of that property is not affected. It's the common property that's yeah. somebody else's private property that's affected. But that would probably work with a lot of other insurance things too. Like, for instance, a, a car hitting a, a post or something and your car, you know, the bumper bar didn't get any scratches, but the post got a nice big chunky dent. Your car's fine, but the, the post needs to be replaced. Um, you, you're still liable, aren't you? That's, that's That will I believe so, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, works both ways. Beautiful. Okay, so I think we're armed with a lot more knowledge than we were before. Was there anything else that you think would be pertinent, Kate, that people would like to know in this episode about titles? Um, I was just having a look at some of the things. Um, you know, one thing a lot of people inquire about is what does the committee do in an owner's corporation? Yeah. Um, and 
if you stop and think about an owner's corporation, like it's like a government and the committee is like the elected members of government. And so they make all the decisions for the owner's corporation. They're restricted to certain things. They can't make um, really big, important decisions, uh, something that's called a special resolution. There's a dollar value that's triggered. Um, twice the annual budget would call for a special resolution. So the committee can't make that decision. It has to go to everyone. Yeah. Um, major changes to the appearance of the property or to common property, the committee can't make those decisions alone. Mm. But on the day-to-day things, the committee takes the pressure off the 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 larger group if you've got an owner's corporation for instance of a hundred lot it's not uncommon it's really hard for the manager to go to a hundred people and say what do you want to do about this yeah so the committee is there and the committee is the the body that makes those day-to-day decisions but they must report back at the general meeting each year to the members to say these are the decisions we've made this is what we've done on your behalf so the committee are just the smaller group like you your your local council or your elected government that makes those important decisions on day-to-day matters but everything in really big goes back to all of the members yeah which is good so for instance if they wanted to repaint the the outside of the building from beige to gray everyone would put their hand up saying say 52 percent said yes we want to go back to gray 48 percent said we'll we'll stick with beige it's it's basically a, a vote between the members of that owners call that's right yeah if you wanted to change the colour, that's what we call a special resolution. You actually have to have 75% of all owners agree. Okay, so it can't be um, as small as a 52 to 48. It has mm, to be a bigger chunk yeah. of the population. Yeah. Absolutely. It needs to be 75%. But because most people don't vote, yeah. the Act actually lets you. There's a way around that. You've got a, what's called an interim special resolution. As long as you get 50% who say yes... Yeah. And less than twenty five percent who say no, yeah, you can uh, you can proceed with some conditions. So there's checks and balances on making major changes without everybody being aware, which is really important. But you you just need to be able to function with it all. Yeah, that's right. Interesting. And yeah. there was another thing that um, I was going to raise. You know, a lot of people say, "Well, why do I need an owners' corporation manager? What does a manager do for me?" Yeah. And when you think about it, the easiest thing I describe to people, I say, if you're living in an owner's corporation and you need to insure as a whole, do you want to be knocking on your neighbor's door and say, pay me the money? You haven't paid me the money. You don't want that. You want somebody who doesn't live there, who's separate and professional to be able to mediate that issue or mediate disputes between you Mm. or somebody who's got experience, um, got a good list of trades who can go out and make sure everything's maintained. They know what the regulations are, what you need to do. It can be quite complex. We like to think we make it look easy and we like to, um, as a manager, we I like to help people's home environment be their home rather than having it to be a, a workplace for them. Yeah, that's my job to deal with it as a workplace, and it's your job to enjoy it as a home. Yeah, and that's fair enough. So I think we've got everything we'd like to know about titles and owners' courts. Thank you, Kate, for that, and we will come back with Grant's fun fact.
Fun facts, fun facts. Rightio. Fun facts or stats, whatever you want to call it. Rightio. Number one. According to the University of New South Wales report on strata titling, strata living is the fastest growing form of property ownership in Australia. According to the same report, over half of the new dwellings to be built in our metropolitan areas over the next decade will be strata titled. Would you say that's fair based on the number of high rise developments going on? Absolutely. I think it's quite accurate. Trend. It is a very, it's a booming, a booming trend. Yeah. According to the Strata Spot website, over 3 million Australians live in strata titled homes, and by 2030, it is expected that almost half the state's population will live in strata communities. So mm. there you go. By 2030, that seems not all that far away. That's 10 years. 10 years away. That's scary, isn't it? <laughs> uh, that's just definitely the trend is large buildings getting built yeah strata title buildings yeah mm. so there you go now this would be interesting to get your opinion on on this one kate the the most common disputes within a strata community according to the same study respondents are that parking uh 61 percent is the most common dispute breaking of the bylaws is 59 percent noise being 50 percent rubbish 41 percent Repairs and maintenance of common property at 39%. And then there's a whole bunch here. Pets at 35%. That's a good one. Smoking, smells, including smoking, 22%. Actions of the building manager being 10%. That's obviously pretty low. <laughs> You've also got their short-term leasing, 11%. So there's a lot of those uh, Airbnb. Airbnbs happening within apartment blocks. Disputes around. Yeah, look, the, the, the managers of Airbnb are getting a lot smarter about um, how Airbnb are running, which is why actually it's such a low number of disputes. You'll find that your people have got more problems with pets or noise than they do with Airbnb. Yeah. The reality is you very rarely, you know, in, in you can be managing thousands of apartments and get one or two noise complaints every so often. Yeah. People are a lot more responsible and a lot more conser- um, considerate of others than you might realise. Mm. Mm. Well, it's usually when they have those little teenage parties <laughs> is happening right now at my little Airbnb. Yeah, that's interesting anyway. So that's your fun facts done for the day? That is it. my little quick quiz so Kate are you ready for my 10 questions of I'm going to extort some answers out of you (laughs) (laughs) far away okay so what's better Coles or Woolies 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 okay what's your favorite suburb in Melbourne I would have to be uh, I think East Melbourne there's some beautiful leafy parts Mm. there's Chadson's not Chadson's the one end yeah Chadson's not far that's right isn't Chadson part of East Melbourne yeah it is yeah yeah. Actually, it is. Yeah, you're right. It is. Um, Chasen Shopping Centre, that is. That's yeah. the shop, yeah, the shopping centre. I love the urban forest in there. I think that's gorgeous. Something a bit different. Right there. in the middle of Melbourne East, yeah. yeah. What's your best kept secret for Melbourne? Yes. The best kept secret for Melbourne. Yeah. I think the best kept secret would have to be, um, oh, that's a challenge. Probably just the dining along South Bank, but I don't think it's that much of a secret either. I just think it's it's one of the best parts of Melbourne just to wander along South Bank and being a part of all the sporting precinct, yeah. you know, just fabulous. I love it. Yeah, it's it's got a great dynamic, hasn't it? Yeah. 
yeah. Where do you take an overseas visitor when they come to visit Melbourne for the first time? Um, I will take them in around the city and um, using actually the water taxis to go uh, along the Yarra, uh, around to Docklands, back onto South Bank. That's where I take them first. And second, I take them up to the Dandenongs. Yeah. Water taxis is a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like that idea. Who is your favourite media personality in Melbourne? Oh, that would have to be Ross Stevenson. Yeah. You like a bit of Ross Stevenson? He's 3AW, isn't he? Yeah. He is. I've been listening to him since the um, old Triple R days of Lawyers, Guns and Money. Oh, yes, I, that makes sense. Yeah, I remember that program. I remember hearing about it. I don't think I actually listened to it, but yeah. <laughs> it, that was back in the early 90s, would you say that? Uh, oh, gosh, I couldn't tell you. I think maybe okay. late 80s, early 90s, yeah. yeah. Scary how old we get. <laughs> don't say that. Speedy <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you're creeping up close. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so beach or mountains, what part of Victoria is your favourite? Oh, beach. Beach. You're a beach girl? Yeah. yeah. Um, what's your go-to dish when you go to a restaurant? Steak frites. So yeah. a good steak and, and fries. Yeah. Yep. Bit of a salad on the side. <laughs> oh, yeah. What was the last live act you saw? Oh, live act. Um... That would have to be the ballet, Australian ballet. Okay. Oh, yeah. Nice. Bit of culture there. Who have you seen at the Melbourne Comedy Festival? Oh, um, Adam Hills. Oh, yeah. He's pretty funny. Oh, and Danny Boy. Sorry. And Danny Boy. I saw oh, Danny gosh, Boy. they're so good. Yeah. Is Adam Hills Melbourne? Yeah. Melbourne He's the one with the I know who leg yeah. taken off. Prosthetic leg. Prosthetic leg, yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's, a, he, I think he's a Melbourne boy. Yeah, I think so. Because he did Spicks and Specs for a while. Oh, yeah. On the ABC. Yeah. yeah. And he's also been running a comedy show in London recently, too, hasn't he? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. The Last Leg. The Last Leg. That's what he's, oh, right. that's I, didn't, I didn't know he had a false leg. Yeah. He talks about it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. Okay. Do you have kids? Okay. I do. So where would be the best kids' playground in Melbourne? Um, My kids are a bit older than playground now, but I have to say I still remember there's one in Dorset Road, Baronia. That's just amazing. Really? Yeah. That way? (laughs) Have a look at it. Check it out. It's really cool. Yeah. Now, Kate, do you have any special offers you can give our listeners? You were talking about reviewing their current agreements. That's right. Yes, because look, some agreements um, are fairer than others. And um, some some members, unfortunately, find themselves tied up in an agreement um, that has some pretty hefty fees. So I'd be really happy to have a look at their current agreement to help them and see what we can do um, to assist them in saving money. So how can they contact you to organise that? Well, all my contact details are on the website, www.strataequity.com.au. Otherwise, they can um, contact me at 8838-1242. Sounds good. So thanks, Kate, for um, being part of your Estate Rights podcast. We're getting a great following. And for those who are looking at investments or a first home in an apartment or unit, this episode has definitely been one to give a better understanding of what we need to look for in those section 32s. 
Next week, we'll have an episode for Easter, Easter preparations, do-it-yourself renovating and knowing your limits. The four-day-long weekend is where many people get stuck into their homes for a bit of old DIY maintenance or cleanup. But when should you be calling in the professionals and not preempting the paramedics? One you won't want to miss. Thanks for that, Kate. <laughs> no worries. Thanks, Grant. Thanks, Sue. Real Estate Right is a real copyright and we shoot buildings production. We would like to thank Podbean for hosting our podcast, Zoom for our video conferencing, Audio Stock for sound effects and Premium Beat for our theme music. Don't forget, if you would like to review your current Owners' Corporation Agreement, contact Kate Uart at strataequity.com.au. Like us on Facebook, Instagram or subscribe on your favourite podcast service. Thanks for listening to Real Estate Right.